Hey, my name is Akash Thakar, and this is Sound Business. This is the podcast where we dive into the mindsets and methods of some of the top musicians, sound designers, or audio creators in the world. We're going to interview everyone from plugin makers, performing musicians, video game composers, and everything in between, and learn how they run a successful business and how they're making a killer living in the worlds of music and sound. My hope with this podcast is that you can be exposed to the many myriad different ways there are to make a killer living in the worlds of music and sound, and help you realize that there's no one right way to get to the top. And with that, let's get into the episode. My guest today is Chris Parker, who's a freelance sound designer based out of Seattle. Chris has worked on games like Shadows Over Loathing, Wizard with a Gun, and Beast Breaker, and is also the wonderful editor of this very podcast you're listening to right now. I met Chris years ago at the PAX conference in Seattle, and since moving to Seattle, he's gone from a budding sound designer to a full-time pro in a flash, and I'm super pumped to talk to him about his journey getting to becoming a full-time sound designer, especially without going to college for it. So Chris, welcome to the show. Well, hello. Hello. So first thing I want to talk about is your initial interest in sound design. Most people kind of fall into it from becoming a full-time musician and then kind of weaseling their way into sound design, or maybe they're a full-time engineer or something like that. But for you, I know that was different. So can you talk to me about that initial kind of outset? Yeah. So... My dad was always a big stereo guy. Like he always had receivers and he had this set of huge Marantz tower speakers from the eighties that were like, you know, four and some odd feet tall. And they had these huge, like 12 inch subs in the bottom of them. And he just would always try to blow the house apart all the time. (laughs) When I was a kid, my parents would have parties all the time, every night. And you just hear the house is just rumbling through the floor because, you know, you're trying to sleep and whatever. And so just by virtue of that, I used to listen to music and see what I could make them do because I really wanted to like, you know, shake stuff off the walls. And <laughs> I had a friend tell me one time as he was walking up the street to come to my house that he could hear what I was listening to on his way up the street, even though I was in the basement. Like it could hear it through the floor <laughs> like a stampede, <laughs> which I was always very pleased with. But by virtue of that, I was a huge audio fidelity nut. Like the the losslessness of CDs and then trying to replicate that when it became digital and learning all the different formats and codecs and stuff in the early days of like pirating music and ripping music. Like when you would put stuff into Winamp, you know, what what are your bit rates, things like that. Always trying to find the best sounding music at the time that I could find for anything. Because when you have speakers like that, especially ones that have separate drivers, like it had a separate tweeter and then like two or three mid-range drivers and then that big sub, you get all these different channels and you can really hear the difference. It gives it so much space to be what it is. And so, yeah, it was just a lot of fun to continue to try to find the best sounding thing that I could come across. And then PS2 era, I got a wild hair for surround sound. I think just by virtue of having used a receiver for speakers for so long and, and noticing that it had the options for the speakers, you know, on the back to put those in. And so I set up surround sound. I found random speakers in the house that were just sort of existing and hooked it up because I really wanted to play Silent Hill 2 with surround sound. And that went beautifully. It went really well. And I sort of became a home theater nut, I guess, at that point. And so it has always been about this like really high fidelity, high quality reproduction of sound to the point where I eventually built my own home theater. And I don't like have a room like dedicated to it 
or anything like that in my house. It just, you know, is in the living room. Uh, my currently have a 7.1, but I've been trying to upgrade into the Atmos world. I've got two height speakers, but my receiver doesn't do 7.1. If you use the Atmos, it's 5.2 or whatever, so whatever. But I was even getting to the point where I was reading reviews for Blu-rays, you know, which one has the best, most demo-worthy material. I've got movies on my shelf that I don't even like <laughs> because I know they just happen to have fantastic demo-grade reproduction of the sound that's in the movie. And so just by virtue of that, it's like you almost just become a sound-focused person just by wanting to make use of all of the stuff that you've put together. And I was in music for a while. Like I played violin in high school and I tried to play guitar for a bit around the same time. And I did all right with it for a while, but after high school, it really dropped off and I just couldn't stick with it for a lot of reasons. And it just never seemed to be especially attainable. And so I just stuck with the speaker thing. And then I kind of fell backwards into the actual designing of sound. A friend of mine who had been a podcast editor for a long time, he podcasting and just like vocals in general, he worked at a vocal studio. And I used to hang out with him. He had these two giant Duntek princesses, which were studio speakers that were like 10 grand a piece. And we would just sit in this back room and listen to music and stuff and like really try to pick out different points and analyze it. And he had gone to college for music production. And I was thinking about going to that school. It was NCC in Norfolk, Nebraska. And I was like, but I don't want to go to Norfolk. That place sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and so I never went. But he taught me several things of just about making music and recording vocals and editing. And then we sat in the back one couple of times. We were tooling around with he wanted to like make some music and you know, stretching out different things. Like he made a really weird sort of ambience track out of stretched out applause and like was using like percussive elements through big steel drums and stuff like that. And that was kind of the first slight little foray into the idea. That was probably like 2012, maybe. And then I moved out here in 2014, and shortly after that, that same friend and I started a podcast right after I moved, because we had been talking about doing one for a while, since I would go over to his house, and then we would just sit and talk about music for, like, hours. And we had a podcast for a couple of years called The Music Room. Every episode had a topic, and we would each select four songs that we thought fit into that category and talk about why. And that was it, and it was great. And it's something that I really wish that we had been able to do before I left, because at the time, too, like we didn't have Zoom or anything like that. So he would call me and I just had a Bluetooth earpiece from my PlayStation 3 that I talked to him on and then talked into this blue snowball microphone that I had. And we did a podcast like that for two years. And then once I finally moved off the island, I made a friend who was a huge into D&D. And so because I had already had that mic from before, I started using it to record her D&D sessions. Just like put it in the middle of the table and like, everybody just do what you're going to do. I'm just recording this so that I can try a thing out. And this would have been late 2015 and into 2016. And in 2016, I got fired for the first time ever from any job. I got fired twice that year. And so I was like editing those podcasts and, you know, D&D sessions are three to five hours and I wasn't breaking them down at all. So I was just editing like four or five people on one track Ooh, God, <laughs> for three hours in audacity. <laughs> just hell. It was hell on earth. And then I was, I think I did a lot of like downloading sounds from like freesound.org and I would use video game music because 
in all of the years of experience that I have both making and listening, I've learned that if you want to get away with using music that you didn't make, video game music is something nobody cares about. <laughs> you will never, <laughs> ever, ever hear about it if you use video game music in your podcast for anything. <laughs> and so I did that. I, when I was making these, uh, the show was called Kitchens and Dragons, and I ended up doing about four episodes because each one took me a month. <laughs> Oh my God. An unemployed Ooh. person's month. So it was all day, every day <laughs> that I just sat Jeez. in what was the most hellish living experience I've ever had in my life, which is this first story I ever told you when we met. Yes. <laughs> but I just would, yeah, just all day, every day I was working on that, making sounds for it and putting in music and editing it into these things for nobody. And then I got a job and I kept trying to do it even by virtue of taking my laptop to work and trying to do it. And it wasn't working. It just, it fell apart really fast because it was too much, so much work. I cannot stress. I learned three different DAWs during that period because I started with Audacity and then I moved to Audition and then I went into Sony Vegas. And then after I saw your panel and the Blip Sounds panel in 2018 is when I learned about Reaper. And then fortunately, Vegas and Reaper operate almost identically, which was such a wonderful thing to have be true because like if i had to learn oh my god if i had <laughs> if i had to learn like <laughs> whatever mess logic or ableton or something right i don't even know and even when i was working on like i'm just i'm, I'm just going to go through the entire yeah. existence up till up till tomorrow <laughs> in this one answer but <laughs> no that's perfect well yeah because i went to the blip sounds panel and then like went and talked to them out in the hallway after it was over and I learned about their Discord server and that they did a monthly sound design competition and, you know, just join the Discord and go do that. And so that's what I did. And at the time, they didn't have a ton of people in the server. They didn't have a ton of members yet. And so I was just kind of, you know, in there and I mentioned to the guy running it, Ryan, I think I've got some pretty good ideas for how we can change the channel tree set up in the server here to make it easier to navigate. Can I do that? How would you feel about that? And Ryan was like, yeah, I guess, I don't, you know, it'd be cool. And so I did that. And one thing led to another. And then I was doing some other stuff. And then I started editing the videos for them. And by virtue of using Vegas and like, I've got Vegas and I've got Reaper and they operate almost the same. And at one point he asked me like, can you edit video? And I was like, absolutely I can, which I'd never done <laughs> and could not do. But Vegas does video. Yeah. And I was using it for audio. So I thought if I just add another track, what's the difference? And that's exactly what it was. We even had a conversation once about me potentially switching to Premiere because he used Premiere and I used Vegas and it was tough to work on the same projects if we had different software. Ah, yes. And I was like, I'm not going to switch to Premiere. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? I don't want, I can't learn anything new. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and yeah, I ended up basically getting around that problem by just taking over all of the editing myself. And so, yeah, I did the Blip Sounds thing for a while. And then I became unemployed again at the end of 2019. And that's when I joined Blip Sounds full time as creative director, which was just, I was like, hey, can I call myself creative director? And he's like, I don't care. Because <laughs> it was just me and Ryan. <laughs> but I did that for a while. And then I ran out of money. And then the pandemic started. And then it was like March and into April and into May. I was starting to see a lot of people talking about like the, you know, the COVID-15 where it's like, you know, everybody's getting fat because they can't go anywhere and do anything anymore. And I was like, I, oh, yeah. I want to come out of this pandemic better than I went into it. Like, I've decided that I like this sound design thing as like the thing I want to do. And I'm already fat. So, 
<laughs> so you convinced me to start fasting and I did that and I was like fasting and lifting and I dropped like 25 pounds. And at the time I was working at the hospital up the street doing a contract gig where just upgrading PCs from Windows 7 to Windows 10, like absolutely nothing audio related whatsoever, but it was set to end in May. And COVID was in full swing by that point, so I wasn't getting any more work. So I applied for the unemployment and just started doing sound design all day. Once again, for my, my friend doing a different D&D podcast, which I had started editing like middle of the previous year, I was just doing the edits. And then I was like, you know, this could probably use some sound effects. And I like really had to like, come on, let me do it. Come on. You know you want it. <laughs> and then I did. And then I just kept doing that. And then from June of 2020 through June of 2021, just a whole straight year of doing sounds for this podcast every day like it was my job. You know, it was probably anywhere between 30 and 100 sounds per episode, depending on what the episode, you know, how crazy it was. And they were not three hours. They were only one. And, you know, I had individual tracks instead of the one track. So it, honestly, it was a breeze after the hell that I put myself through with the first mm -hmm. one. <laughs> and then after having met Ryan Ike through you just that previous year, we were in a group chat and he kept complaining about how he was always underwater and was just like dying of work. <laughs> and so I badgered him for three months to let me work with him. It's like, give me some of your work. You're busy. I don't have any work. Give me some of your work. <laughs> <laughs> and so he did. He had two gigs. One of them was doing music and sound design for Shadows Over Loathing, and the other one was doing music and sound design for Wizard with a Gun. And, you know, he asked them about me joining, and he was just going to pick me up a subcontract, but they had so much they needed done. The lead dev there, Patrick, called me, and he was like, you should just contract with us because then you don't have to worry about being constrained to how much Ryan can pay you. And I was like... That's fine. Yeah. You don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> and so I did, and here I am. And I have nothing to show anybody publicly <laughs> for anything that I've done. <laughs> I mean, I guess the podcast, but like, what have you worked on? <sighs> podcast yeah. Shadows Over Loathing. Yeah, and I did. Brian, that was the other thing. Ryan was working on Shadows, and he subcontracted me for Shadows Over Loathing, and then we just went ham on that at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot to uncover here, but there's there's a nugget in the kind of through line where you put yourself in positions where you just helped people out sound-wise just to see, just to kind of find out and figure stuff out, like with the initial podcast and even with the podcast that you were you know, most recently doing. So as you were doing that, how are you learning? Because like you kind of came from a base where you knew some stuff, but not everything. So how did you kind of learn about the sound design craft as you built these things? That's such a good question because I was – Vaguely aware of plugins because I used a you know a handful and they did work in Vegas, so I was able to add them. And that's one thing that I can't remember when I was using Audacity to make this podcast. Like, I think I probably used what was built into it, but I, you can't add plugins to Audacity, or at least you might not have been able to then. I don't. I can't imagine Audacity's changed once since two thousand two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's such a good question because. Like, generally speaking, what will happen is I will have a thought for a thing I want to do, and I will not know how to do it, and so I will just look up the thing. How do I zoom in? Or how do I, you know, masking for, you know, videos, like, I need to blur this one section of this video. How do I do that in Vegas? And so that's that's always been my style is, like, just get interested enough to do a single piece of it, and then if every time you come across, you're like, I have an idea, can I make it do this thing? 
my mom was always very frustrated with me as a child because she said that she said I always pushed everything to its limit. <laughs> and it's like, I just wanted to see what it would do. Like, what can I make this thing do? How far can I make it go? How, how hot can this heater get? <laughs> can I burn this thing? I melted the front of the TV once. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this big old giant Curtis Mathis, like one of those TVs that's inside of furniture. Yes. yes. And I was sitting in the, living room watching TV cartoons or something in the morning. And I had my feet on the front of the TV because it was the screen. And then the bottom underneath of it was more of that wood, quote unquote wood. Yes. And my, it was cold because I didn't have any shoes on. It was like, this thing's cold. I'm going to heat this up. So I put the heater, uh, the space heater right in front of it. And it just like melted it and twisted it all up. (laughs) It was like that for the rest of time. (laughs) So you, uh, (laughs) so you basically, did the equivalent of melting TVs, but with sound. You just kind of push things Correct. and see where yeah. see where things go. How do I make this do this thing that I, I can either think of? Like, is what I want to do even possible? If it is, how would I do it? Or how do I make this thing I heard somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Someone else did it. Yeah. You know, why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that still the process today? Like, is that still how you kind of figure stuff out? Pretty much, yeah. Like, there have been a couple of times where, you know, you'll tell me something that's a real hot hot button item where it's like that. Ooh, that's a top tip. But it is a lot of like, you know, is this thing I want to make possible? And if it's not, like there is no plugin that does, you know, randomizes the thing. Sure. Where you just like, I want to just take this sound and make it kooky. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I don't know how to do that. You know, there isn't anything for that. So it, it really is just like, hmm, how do I feel like this should go? How do I make it? What do I do? to make it do the thing I want. Yeah, I think that's like a big part of the process for anyone is just kind of figuring it out. So I'm glad you hit on that. But there's this big kind of section that I want to cover where you went from basically the middle of nowhere to Seattle, which is a big game industry hub. You went from non-game industry hub to big game industry hub. Can you talk to me about like that process? Because I can't imagine it was easy. You probably didn't have like you know, tons of people you knew out here or anything like that. So can you talk to me about that whole process and getting into the industry once you got here? Yeah, well, I did not come here for that. It was totally off my radar. I came here because I needed to get out. You know, the Midwest, uh, unless you are a very specific type of person, is no is no place to be. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people who listen to this from the Midwest, so I'll let their hate mail come to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you have problems with anything I say, you can DM me on uh, Instagram. I'm at Ryan Ike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I had just been looking to get out. And, you know, the number one place that everybody in Omaha tries to go to if they want to leave is Denver because it's like the closest. It's either Denver or Chicago, but it's never Chicago. <laughs> it's always Denver, at least among the people I knew. And it was never going to happen. I couldn't. I. Things were not very good for me internally. And so it was like, I couldn't do that. I can't make this work. I don't know how to be an adult. I don't know how to be a person. Like, I don't deserve any of this. But I have a friend who was in the Navy, and she just happened to be stationed up north of here on uh, Whidbey Island. And she knew that I had wanted to get out. And she asked me one time in June of 2013, she said, the girlfriend and I are going to be deployed for six months later this year or next year or whatever. Do you want to stay in our house and watch the cats? Nice. And I was like, yes, I do want that. <laughs> yes. And that's all I knew. I had never ah. been up here. I didn't know anything about anything. I was like, oh, a place? You got it. You know. <laughs> and so 
I did her a favor at one point. She had a storage unit back home that I filled up and drove all the way out here in a moving truck by myself, which I do not recommend. <laughs> a moving truck on a 26-hour drive by yourself. There's three elements to that. Oh. It's like if you change any one of those three things, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Oh. But if you don't, it is miserable. Yes. It was it was hell. Ugh. And I did that, and that was the first time I got to see the area, but it was still just up on one of the islands. It was, you know, it's like, look at all these neat trees and stuff. And then I flew back home, and I don't remember where that fit in with the whole process, but she asked me to do it in June, and by October, I was, like, set. And I I quit my job, and I picked up a different one that paid a little bit more, but it was a contract, so it was going to end at the end of the year. And so I was like, this will be great because then I won't have a job being one last thing to sort of hold me in place to give me a reason to not leave because it was going to be really tough yeah my favorite podcast group the laser time people they used to do talk radar for games radar back in the day but they were all from somewhere else like brett was from illinois he moved to san francisco and chris was from florida hank was from florida originally from arkansas and there was a lot of like if they can do it why can't i and also like there's already people who live there so it should be possible (laughs) theoretically And I just really leaned hard on that because I was also surrounded with a lot of like, well, you don't want to move away. Like, Omaha's amazing. Why would you ever want to leave this place? It's just so expensive there. All it does is rain and everybody kills themselves. Why would you ever <laughs> want to do that? I'm not really exaggerating. That is the overwhelming narrative oh that God. the people in that area have about here. Like, everybody I talk to. So it was just this really hard, like, 50-50 camp of, like, why would you go there? And <laughs> you have to do this. You have to go. Leave. Take. Leave. Send the message. You know? <laughs> and it just, I was like, if I do not do this now, this opportunity will never come up again. There will be no easier opportunity because I barely had enough to make the move. I didn't have enough to, like, find a place to live by myself. I didn't have a job lined up. And I tried to sort of make that happen. But there was a lot of, like, well, we can't really help you find a job until you live here. And so there was no other way to make it happen. So I did that move and I got here in January of 2014. And then I was commuting from Oak Harbor to Linwood every day for work, which was 75 miles one way. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, I put 70,000 miles on my car in 18 months. Oh, holy crap. And it wasn't. It was one of those situations where you don't realize how terrible it is while you're in it, where you're just like, this is what you do. This is what I got to do. And the minute I left that island, I couldn't go back for anything. I Like if I had to go up and get something I left up there, you know, just in the moving process, like, what in the, how did I ever do this? This is hell. <laughs> Ugh, sometimes it would take me three hours to get home from work. Like, especially on a Friday afternoon when everybody's go, already going north to hang out in the woods or whatever. It was just hell, man. It was so awful. Three hours. What did... What did you ask me? <laughs> so when you first... <laughs> it's crazy how often this... people say that on here, too. No, it's, it's, it's very funny, which is totally fine. I cut it out every time so they don't sound like dope. Yes, exactly. So you <laughs> cut it out for you, too, which is A-OK. We'll see. <laughs> so I was asking about, like, the impetus to move out to Seattle and then also... Oh, yeah. Uh, like, the initial ramp up when you got here, because what the hell did you do? Oh, yeah. I had been uh, in, like, desktop support and sysadmin for, like, 10 years up to that point. That was the only thing I had really done. I never went to college for anything. And the most glorious thing about the tech industry, especially when it comes to desk side support, sysadmin, stuff like that, is every single application says you need this 
degree or equivalent work experience. And I have built my entire life off of equivalent work experience. <laughs> and I'd be nothing without it. And I used to get into it with my mom a lot because I was I had really hard time in school via just ADD and like a pretty dark home life and all of these different things that just make it really hard to be good in school. So when it came college time, I was like, I don't want to go do this. Uh, can I wait? I want to wait. She's like, you're going to go to college. You're going to die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'll go. And I just kept going and then failing and going and failing. I picked like five different majors and nothing ever worked out for more than 20 seconds. And it just was such a dark, depressing existence that I eventually just stopped going. And let me tell you. What a good idea that was. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be able to live my life if I had the student loans that I've heard other yeah. people talk about having. Like, what a time. So I got here and I just would dove right back into sysadmin. I was working at a place called Health First doing desktop support and did that for a few years, a couple of years, got fired. It's interesting how often if you can be unemployed for a minute, like you get so many opportunities to learn stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't really like it when you do that. <laughs> Just, you know, the capitalists. <laughs> right. But, but that was the opportunity where I was like, I want to stop doing this. I am tired of just maintaining the things other people make. I want to make something. What can I do? Very little. But I know about sound. <laughs> and so let me see if I can find a direction, you know. And I found this company downtown called Screenplay Entertainment, which sounded really cool. And it turned out to be like, making machines that played music videos in bars and stuff. But it was like this little hybrid of like computers, but also maybe sound. And I had that job for like 12 seconds and they fired me. And then that's when I started doing the, the first D&D podcast was that period of unemployment. And then a friend of mine directed me towards working AV for Amazon with their contractor at the time it was called Avasys. And it was like, this is my first real career direction change. Like I started at minimum wage. I was at like 15 or 17.50 or something like that, real low. And then I got out of that crazy, crazy old woman's house. And I just kept like my money was like, oh, I have even less left over after whatever. And then I got, then it was like, here comes rent again. It's like, oh, I have even less than I did last time. Like I was not able to keep up. And I was so close to moving out and, and like living actually in the house that I live in now with the guy who used to live here. And he had offered me a spot, you know, where he would sort of make up the difference and I would just pay what I could afford, which was very nice of That's him. That's very nice. Yeah. And then Amazon bought out Avasys and we all had the opportunity to become like full-time Amazon employees. And so I got an L4 and so they gave me a huge hiring bonus and then my pay doubled. And then I was like, you know, everything's fine now. Everything's great. But then after that direction changed, yeah, the biggest thing that happened that moved me from uh, doing a thing that I thought was neat into actually doing this as a career was PAX 2018. Because I had been very aware of PAX, and I had gone to every PAX since the day I moved here. Like, I had been aware of it and wanted to go for such a long time, for so many years, and I finally got a chance to go. And just, there were like two or three different sound design panels in 2018. It just lined up that nice way. There was yours, and then there was the Blip Sounds one, and then a couple others, and I went to all of them. So it was like, here's something that I, I think is fun, but I don't have any understanding whatsoever of how to make it something more than I just think is fun to do. But then your panel, and especially the Blip Sounds panel, was here's my single plank of wood bridge uh, from where I'm at now to something that this can actually be a job. Mm -hmm. Nice. And so like when that 
realization clicked, what were your steps? Because I think a lot of people have that realization and then they're like, okay, well, shrug and then don't really act. Like I have enough to know that I can do it, but now what? Honestly, I have never, like historically, I am never the person that like goes up to somebody after a panel and is like, oh, I really like what you're talking about. Here's, this is my <laughs> name. And I, let's, let's be friends or, you know, whatever else. <laughs> and your panel was first. And then I did the blip sounds panel after that. But your panel, I just was like, I think I'm going to, I got to ask, I got to ask you the questions. <laughs> I got to ask you the questions. And I stood behind 5,000 people and I like walked up to you and squeaked out something about where you get sounds for stuff like libraries. And you told me about Soundly and I was like, okay, thank you, bye. And <laughs> <laughs> but because I talked to you, like after the Blip Sounds panel, Ryan was like, we're going to be out in the hallway here if anyone wants to talk to us. And I was like, I, I, I would like to talk to you. And there was like, it was like me and three other people. Because, you know, if it had been 50 people, I would have just left because it's sure. like, this is pointless. That's why I never respond to anything anybody says on Twitter because you look and it's like 45 replies. They don't give a shit about what I have to say. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother. If it's like five or fewer, then I will like, oh, I'll get in because then they'll pay attention. But after that, nobody's paying attention to anything. <laughs> but yeah, I just I went and talked to him after the thing. And I was like, how happened? <laughs> how me do <laughs> and then he told me about the, the discord and the, the monthly challenges that they had and it went from there that's amazing so like it's i think what you're outlining is one it can be scary because like even the idea of like going up to these people after a panel and you are just starting out you're like oh god let me ask a question that's scary because i've been there too but also how simple it can be for things to for the ball to get rolling yeah, you just need one answer. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't easy to get to the point where you were at PAX and you had moved to Seattle and you had gone through several jobs. Like, that's not easy, but it was surprisingly simple from what I'm hearing to start the ball rolling. Yeah, because, like, I don't think I had any true career aspirations for sound design until I went to those panels and saw that these people do this and that's how they got there. And now I can just talk to them to join these two pieces of rope. Like it just take this and this and plug them together. And all I have to do is talk to this person. Like I was, it was right there. Nice. So from, it was like 2018 packs to now. So that's really only four or five years, mm -hmm. which is insanely fast <laughs> to like, right. That's amazing. There's been a lot of luck involved in this. <laughs> yeah, there is luck. Absolutely. It's like, but it's still amazing because there was never a point where uh, like from us talking, cause you weaseled your way into my heart mm -hmm. uh, from us talking where you stopped. Like there was literally no point where I can recall you ever stopping sound design or anything. There's no point where you were like, Hey, like, I'm sure there are times where you were, like, discouraged or, like, this happens to all of us 100%. But I can't recall a time where you said, uh, I'm quitting. Let me go back to the old thing forever. There really was just one time, actually. It was when my, the first demo reel that I made was because you said you need to make a demo reel. And I was like, all right, great, I will. And then I went and, and I got a bunch of different clips from things that I had made blip sounds monthly competition and a couple other things here and there and i stitched them together and i sent it to you and i was all cocky like yeah go ahead tear me apart you know i was pretty confident that i had put together this great thing and then you ripped my reel apart like you really did what i asked and that was tough you're like all right well what you're gonna do is you're going to make a new reel with four new clips and you're gonna have it done by the end of the week and it was like, you know, Monday or something. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way I can do this. 
that is impossible. You're asking me to do impossible things. This is awful. I'm going to die. And I managed to get it done. I actually managed to do the thing that you said, and I put together a half-decent reel for the position I was in by that point. And you were like, amazing work. This is great. That was a really hard thing that I asked you to do. Fantastic. Because I had considered quitting after that happened, and I was just like, I'm in over my head. I can't manage this. But I was like, what am I going to do if I do that? Go back to what I've been doing? Do what I'm doing now? Like, I'm upgrading PCs at the hospital. This this gig ends in 10 minutes. I don't like doing this, and I don't have any other prospects. This is all I've got. I've made this decision. And what, am I just going to say, no, sorry, I can't do that? And I I didn't want to. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And, like, even when I met you at the PAX thing, but not in any significant capacity. It was just, you know, that's when I talked to you, and you said a thing, and then I ran off. (laughs) But then... It just so happened that there was a a game audio event in the building that I worked in for Amazon at the Sky Cafe, and I was AV, so I was running the event. And then I went up there to run that, and you were there. And I was like, oh, my God. He's here. Oh, my God. Like, I still, you were definitely a celebrity in my mind. That's so funny. Only because you did a PAX panel. Like, I never played any of your games. I'd never heard of you before this. Good. (laughs) It was just that you were on a stage, and I was like, oh, my God. They don't just let anybody do that, you know? (laughs) Turns out. (laughs) Yeah, the exact opposite. I have since done a PAX panel, and let me tell you, they'll let just anybody do that. (laughs) Yes, correct. (laughs) But it wasn't until the the game audio jam in Bellingham. And it, once again, it was like, you had mentioned that you needed a ride home. Yes. And I was like, I could, what if I gave him a ride? I, <laughs> I have seen him twice. I could totally give him a ride home. <laughs> and then I did. And I put you in my car and then I, you were trapped there for like two hours. Yeah. While I told you about the crazy woman I lived with and the Simpsons. Yes. And after that, it was, that was it. And then that was it. you, you know, kept going on and on about how. You don't talk to people and yeah. like, you can text me if you want, but I probably won't respond yeah. and all this other hokum. And I kept telling you that, well, if you know, if we work together, we could just like run the internet. Like it would be, <laughs> this would be such a perfect situation where if you would just let me work with you, I don't understand why you won't just do this. Like you keep laughing at me and like, oh, you, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was like, no, you don't listen. See, here's your problem. <laughs> if you just did this, then we, everything would be great. And I don't know. Do people just leave you alone when you tell them that you don't talk to them very much? I mean, I don't even tell them that anymore. Like, I just, as you know, I don't respond to 99.9% of people or messages or things or thoughts or anything. And what, do they just go away? And they just eventually go away. But the people I've noticed who are persistent and not in a weird way, like you were never weird about it. You just talked to me like a person does, which is to say Simpsons quotes nonstop because that's what I love too. And just keep bothering you until you respond. (laughs) But you did it in like a tactful way. Like it wasn't like how I get bothered most with most people on Instagram, like job now, please. Like you never yes, did job that. Now, please. No, I just, I knew that it would work if we yes. worked together, that it would be great, but yes. you were not interested in working with me because who am I? Right. Except this guy <laughs> right. that you mistakenly gave your number to. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So like you did a really good job, I think with me and many, many other people where you were just a person to them first and not like, you didn't see them like, ah, there's a job for me and just like begged them all the time. Yeah, I just, I was never compelled to meet somebody and be like, oh, so you're looking for someone to work with? Right. Oh, you, <laughs> right. I, you don't know me, but 
let's let me take care of that for you. Let me let right. me take all of your responsibilities, and they'll be in my safe stranger hands, and right. we can <laughs> right. work together right. for no reason. And maybe because it's easier to just talk to somebody about nothing than to ask yes. them for work, because now you it's like. Who goes out and they're like, I can't wait to impromptu myself into several job interviews on this spot. (laughs) What sort of hell on earth is that? I mean, as you know, there are lots of people who do that. So hopefully this discourages them from doing that and makes friends first because now we do work together. You know, I've hired you for things. Ryan Ike has hired you for things. You edit this podcast. It's been great. Like like you predicted, it's been great. Uh, Yeah, you don't listen. See, (laughs) I've said to so many people... For so many years. The problem is that nobody listens. <laughs> For years and years. I'm right all the time and nobody listens. I hope you make that your Instagram highlight with no context. That's going uh, on my grave, my man. Nobody <laughs> listens. Right, like, nobody <laughs> Very cryptic. Just Yeah, who knows oh, what it was about. Man, he must have been right about something. Yeah, right about he'd be alive today. He'd <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be alive today if only every fun I just had a revelation the other day. There was a flower that we had in the yard at the house that I lived in when I was really young. It had uh, like red and white stripes on the leaves and it smelled just like hot dogs. And I tell people this. I told my mom this, family, friends. We had this flower that smelled just like hot dogs. And my mom's like, that's ridiculous. That's a stupid thing to say. And you're stupid for saying it. And, <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm telling you, we had it. There was a hot dog flower. And I found out, I think, three, four, five days ago, real thing, real flower, smells just like hot dogs. I got the name, everything. And I, I'm going to scream it from the sky. <laughs> Guess what? Nobody listens. All the time nobody listens to me. Except that with this podcast, many people will listen to you. So hooray. Yeah, now you have no choice. You're sitting here listening to me. <laughs> Actually, I want you to send me that hot dog plant uh, afterwards because that's a good newsletter intro right there. I am very excited. To, yeah. Because I met somebody who knew a lot about plants. I actually made the mistake of asking her what her favorite flower smell was. And then she went on. Here's, here's five differences that I love. Have you ever smelled any of them? No, I've never heard of any of these. I don't know the names of any flowers. I know lilacs and they smell great. And then this one that smells like hot dogs. And that's all I have for this conversation. I started. (laughs) (laughs) How about hot dog plant though? After she goes on and tells you deeply about the flowers she loves. I should have just interrupted her and been like, the ones I like are, you know. (laughs) Because then I wouldn't have had an opportunity to look stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And that's the goal. Yes. So there are people, like a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are not in game industry hubs, right? All over the world. So Mm -hmm. they might be close to one or they might be super, super remote, kind of in in the middle of nowhere. What do you say to them when it comes to wanting to go to one of these cities, making it happen, that sort of stuff? Man, we've got a real problem in this city that there are too many people that showed up here too quickly. (laughs) It's partially my fault. (laughs) I told everyone how great it is for game audio, and now we're all here. Uh. Well, this is so funny, because when I got here, everybody was like, you you may have noticed that it's not a hellscape the way that you were told. It's actually a paradise. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> that was that the rule. That's true, because we don't want them coming here. That was the Seattle rule. Yep. I did my due diligence, but I also didn't. I was terrible. I was like, you guys! I told you know, many I told people. everybody. <laughs> everybody. I told them all. And now we do have a real serious population issue. So, with a grain of salt... I will say, if you're somewhere where this isn't a thing, you got to stop being there. Like, I understand that there's, you know, all of the 
delightful work that you've put into telling people how that yes, they can get course. into this industry remotely from the boons, from the flyovers. And <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know. I don't see the reality in that. I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, even you had, I think it was Tony was on. Yeah, Tony. He lives in the yeah. middle of nowhere. But I think that he started somewhere, right? No, he's been in Michigan. Great. Yeah. See? Don't listen to me. <laughs> but I don't know. I I mean, I do know a couple of people doing it or trying to do it. One that we both know, she's been at it for a couple of years now. And, yeah. you know, I talk to her occasionally and she does get work. And I don't know what it's doing to pay the bills. I don't know any of that. But it, so far in my experience, it seems like it's all pretty small projects. And I know another guy who lives back home who does music and he's been doing game music and he does the occasional composer gig with at least one dev that I talked to him about. I know that he was working on something with Grant Kirkhope potentially in the near future. So it's like, it's not impossible. It just seems really incredibly difficult. And I don't know how any of these people have gone about it. Like even the first person I mentioned, like she gets messages and stuff all the time. And I'm like, these people just message you out of the blue and just talk to you. I Nobody ever messages me for anything. And it's like, I don't need them to because I'm working and everything's fine. And I don't do anything to facilitate that. Like I don't really work the social media scene because I started doing it when I got into this initially and I hate every minute of it. But then all this other stuff happened and I just didn't need to do it. I stopped needing to do it very soon after I started doing it. So I never really saw any benefits come from that. Mm -hmm. Like all I did was just be friends with you. Like I just talked to you and we happened to be the same person. Right. Which basically. is really odd. Very yes. strange situation. <laughs> but consistently and unendingly the same person. Correct. And then I just, there's so many people here for this reason like i went to the seattle indies christmas party this last year at gameworks there is not a single person in game audio that is from this area every single person is from somewhere else and it's like that's kind of cool yeah but there's also a problem with like seattle's kind of losing its identity a little bit and none of this is to say that you shouldn't come here i suppose these are all talking points to bigger problems that are not necessarily part of the answer to this question, <laughs> but sure. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't want to be discouraging and I don't want to say if you live somewhere terrible, you should probably just stay there because right. we don't have anywhere for you to live. <laughs> and I don't want to say that, but I don't know. My sister told me that some friends of hers, Back home, one of them is attempting to get into game audio, and the other one is doing games in some capacity, but not audio. And that she's like, you know, he wants some advice on something. And I was like, honestly, you have to leave Omaha because there's nothing in Omaha for anybody who wants to do anything like that. And that's just how it is. And I don't know. Cause, and the thing that's a bummer too is like, I had absolutely no place in this part of it while I was there. Like, I was really deep into, like, games journalism, like, following those people and knowing what they do and, like, all those types of things that people do. I even considered that path for a while because I also write sometimes. And that was the only way that I thought anybody in my position was ever going to be able to do something in games from where I was. But I don't know what to say to people who are in places like that in terms of doing what I've done. 
because uh, you can't, I can't give you a ride home from 1,500 miles away. <laughs> and that's like the only route that I know for getting into the games industry right. is to give Akash a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the core of this is that like, the thing I tell people is you want to be where luck is more likely. Yeah. So whether that be online in like a cool Discord or just meeting people in like cool forums or whatever it may be, or going to a city where stuff is happening and you can give me a ride home, there's luck involved in any of those, but you want to be in the places where luck is more likely. Yeah. And I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't done any number of these things that all just sort of came about by virtue of suddenly having real opportunities. It wasn't until I moved that I realized most of the things that people refer to as like their dream job, like the, the quintessential definition of what a dream job is, from my perspective, is a, is a job that you will just simply never be able to have. Hmm. In a, you know, it's like it's a space cowboy, but it's for things that actually exist. Like, oh, I would love to work in movies or the do this thing or some other forest ranger or some other crap. It's all these things where it's like my dream job is something that there is no opportunity for in the place I currently live. And it wasn't until I moved where I was like, oh, dream jobs now are things that are just jobs mm -hmm. because you can do them. Like I gave a, a talk or a, not a talk, but, you know, like a TED talk in seventh grade. <laughs> I had to answer the question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And at the time, I really, really wanted to work on like, like VFX for Square, like that. You know, oh, nice! SquareSoft in the '90s was that's just awesome. all that you could do in the whole world. And that's you know, even as as a kid, this is what I wanted to do. And I totally forgot about that until like a couple of years ago. And I was like, huh, mm. I sort of did that cool. thing anyway. You kind sort of predicted of. it, yeah. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> real, real loose term. But yeah, it's like, are you going to do that from there? No, no, yeah. you're not. And I don't, it's not, you know, I lament the lack of opportunity for places like that and people there because yeah. you don't get to choose where you're born right. and it's a shame, but it is go to where those opportunities are, I guess. Find whatever is the path of least resistance to where anything like that exists. Yeah, totally. And you kind of hit on it just now, but you know, the question that I'm going to ask you that I ask everybody, but when you first started and that could be when you moved here in like 20. 14 or it could be 2018 when you went to PAX or whatever it may be, whatever starting point you want. What was your definition of succeeding success, that whole thing? And how has that changed over time? And what is it now? I think about this question a lot because I basically answer it myself with every episode <laughs> that I edit. Yes, you've heard it a thousand times. I have had a thousand answers to this. <laughs> and I do not remember any of them. I think... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I want to win an award so bad, mm -hmm. which is such like a no, nothing a wrong superficial with that. clown thing to say. No, it's good. But I don't know, man. The Oscars were my Super Bowl for like 15 years of my life. Like, I just mm -hmm. was like, this is it. I don't care about any of the shit that's happening otherwise. I'm here for this. I've got a bracket. I've got my picks made. 2013, I got almost every single selection right i was killing it that year <laughs> and i just love it i don't know i want to win an award but really i think ultimately in a way that it's something where it's like this is probably going to be true and it may not be something that i ever get to learn is true but like to have a stranger have their life changed from like an influence perspective mm -hmm. because of something that i made mm. and it would be really great to have someone you know tell me oh this thing you did this thing 
well, I really like that thing so much. And I just, <laughs> Debbie just, yeah, you know, just like some 10 year old comes up and starts screaming about Pokemon. And, <laughs> and I just, uh, I think that would be banging. Two things I really want to make game wise. I would love to do horror. I've been dying to make mm. some horror stuff for such mm-hmm. a long time. And any opportunity I get to make horror, there's a couple of elements in Shadows Over Loathing that are horror esque. And mm-hmm. I just like took it straight to 50 out of 10 and was like, I'm going to, this is going to be this whole. Silent Hill sequence, like it's just gonna build up and it's all made out of these bangs and I made these weird delays and it's like none of this, none of this needed to be this much. <laughs> and I just love making horror stuff. And I also want to make, I want to be a part of a project that's like games that make people cry, like Brothers or Spirit Fair or stuff like that, you know. Like I really want, I've got a billion ideas and to just, I like really want to ramp up how interactive the audio in games can be. Like just something that is like, the audio was a core element to this where like there was a, a battle of the bands RPG that Ryan and I were working on very briefly right before pandemic started. And the, it was like, you know, you're kind of a turn-based RPG kind of situation, but every member of the party played an instrument. And that was like, they were on their way to a battle of the bands. And I was like, why don't we make it so that the, characters in the battle group play the battle music and then whenever they take damage it changes that stem from the song and it's like you know just make it totally integral to how it worked and you know that all fell apart because the pandemic started and blah 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 but like i don't know how to answer your question which is why i haven't done so yet (laughs) it's a tough question it is uh why not my idea of success when i started this was just I think just the idea that it could even happen. Mm. The, the fact that like I made, I worked on a game and I did it full time and that was my job. Mm-hmm. Like that's, but then you get that and yeah. then it's like, well, I don't have anything to show for anything I've done yet. And so it's like, well, maybe that, you know, once I, once I, you know, people know who I am and I did a thing, then well, then you'll see that whatever it is start to happen, like the champagne flows or, you know, you start getting, <laughs> Cutting in line at <laughs> Jamba Juice or whatever. <laughs> and it is, it is. That's one thing that I recall thinking as having gone through this question so many times is like, this is a constantly changing answer. It's always on a conveyor belt of movement of like, well, I did the thing. What's the next step? What's the next version of success? What does the next thing look like? Where it's like, oh, I made a game. Great. I made game of the year. That's pretty banging. I was nominated for an award. Awesome. I won that award. Now what? Uh, (laughs) Movies want me. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure what the top of what I do is, but it would something influential or something like, I don't know. How do you change the landscape of something for all time at this point in the progression of all of the things that we do? But that would be cool. I mean, gaming is still relatively young, especially compared to like movies and stuff and interactivity gets better all the time. So just, I just want to make it so that when I'm dead, people don't forget. <laughs> what an answer. Oh my God. Yeah, there you go. You could just leave that in as like cut everything else out and just put that in. Uh, that, yeah. That, the whole episode is just me saying that and then it's over. <laughs> and it's over. Cut three seconds. Awesome. So last question that you know, of course, is where can people find you? Ugh. I've been debating getting rid of my Instagram because I hate Instagram and I don't use it. But I'm on Instagram and Twitter, both at CP Squeaks. And 
I mean, that said, I've got a website, chrisparker.audio. That's my email. It's chris at chrisparker.audio as well. Send me questions. Nobody talks to me. Nobody cares about me. I have nothing. <laughs> I've produced nothing. Like, I, you know, I worked a little on Shadows, but like nobody cares about anything I've done. We've got some big stuff coming up in the next handful of days, which might help, but I'm not bombarded. Like, if you send me a message, I'll get it. <laughs> and I'll read it and I'll respond to it. Even though I've even gotten weirdo messages from weirdos where you awesome. guys are like, don't answer that guy's question. <laughs> and I'm like, well, he asked me a question, we answer it. You know, like, <laughs> it's not an open invitation to weird me out, but I'll probably answer it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's something really important to what you just said just now, because there are so many people out there who are so scared to email anyone full time in the industry. And the fact that you just said you're receptive is amazing. And hopefully that spurs at least one person to reach out because it could mean the difference, like you meeting people at PAX for them. Yeah. And everybody that I have met in game audio, it's one of the most fascinating things because I've always had a pretty small network of friends and stuff throughout my life. But it's like everybody in game audio is awesome. Yeah. Every event that I've been to, every time I've ever been to anything with these people, it's like, look at this endless cornucopia of people that I know are going to be cool to talk to yes. and, and like easy to hang out with and fun. Like it's, you can't go wrong. There's no intimidation factor whatsoever with game audio because we don't even see ourselves as legitimate devs. Like right. the, the people who made the games don't care what we think or do. And, <laughs> and so we just get in our own little group of misfits where it's like, no, we are important. I promise. And you know, we just say that back and forth to each other and, no, and that's fine. You can walk into any game audio group and, you can just say that you work on stuff and lie. And we'll be like, cool. Don't, don't listen to that. It's advice. too easy. <laughs> just, lie. <laughs> just lie to everybody. Yeah, I did it. I, yeah, well, I you know, it's like, can you edit video? Yes, I can, oh. but you can't, and you learn how to do it yes, anyway. Now it's I see like, what you, you know. mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't say you did a Star War. Right. Absolutely. Because we're like, no, you didn't. This guy over here did. <laughs> and Andy's like, Hey, how's it going? You know, Ben Burt's right there. I was thinking more Andy Martin, but you're yes, right. Andy ben Martin Burt's as well. just hanging out with the rest of us. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, if Ben Burt was around, I'd probably talk to him. Yeah. I mean, he's not dead, but. <laughs> no, I, no, around physically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I imagine he'd be just as easy as the rest of us. So, yeah. Save your intimidation for level designers. I'm not sure who deserves it, but <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and I hope people enjoy it and get in touch with you. Hopefully some people reach out, even the weirdos. I hope you get some weirdos. Yeah, please. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'll just know, you know, no hablo. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yes, my That's pleasure. the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And considering I work in the world of video game, music, and sound, and so many people are always asking me how they break into that field, I have a newsletter set up for you. So if you want to learn how to make music and sound effects for video games and actually be paid to do it, just go to bit.ly forward slash soundbizpod. Sound B-I-Z pod. And that newsletter will set you up with two free courses and a bunch of free ebooks and even sound effects that'll get you set up and teach you how to work in the world of video game, music, and sound. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. And if you're looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to, this podcast is actually a part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. So if you want to check those out, hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.